Let me talk you through the two most emotional, stressful months of my sales career. It's no big deal to call a CTO and tell I want to talk. You cannot stand on the sideline and basically wait until the dice rolls itself. It's never gonna happen. I don't know if this is gonna be on the record or off the record. It's almost like playing with cards, this job. Like, it's like you, you get given a hand of cards and like you have to do the best with what, what you have. It's like someone might have been watching, watching down on me. Me and Jack going into this, when, when he originally told me exactly the same, like, oh, you know, Jack, I've got this idea, you know, what about this? I just, my first thought was, my God, if no, I don't even care if anyone, like, listens to this, you know, if I take one key takeaway from every recording, I'll be such a better rap. This is No Big Deal, a sales podcast. You said you've got a great deal to speak about. I do. It's got, do you know what, guys? It's got all the elements of a good story. It's, yeah. it's got high stakes. Yeah, um, okay, great. Yeah, it's, it's actually a good story. Okay, awesome. <laughs> I think I've tried to come across that. I've got some notes and stuff, but I made so many mistakes in this deal. It closed, don't get me wrong, and it was a life-changing amount of commission, but it. <laughs> I, I definitely didn't do a great job. Like I did things well, obviously, but like, I think if you can actually reflect, like that's where you're going to move the needle in your own work. Like if you can look back and think I didn't do that so well and I'm going to learn from that. Yeah. I actually want to, I'm going to, my first question when we start is going to be on that actually. So let's, without further ado, while we've got momentum, let's kick it off. Cause I want to hear more about that. So take it away, Jack. Cool. Welcome to no big deal where we are super excited to welcome Becky Butler a senior account executive at Jiminy onto the podcast where she's going to be walking through a up and down deal that she had, what happened, what what she thought she would do differently next time and how she won the deal. As a quick introduction though, as I said, Becky's a senior account executive at Jiminy. She's had some incredible results. She's placed four out of four times in the 100 over 100 um, Wiser's list of the top SaaS sales reps. She also, incredibly, hit her 2022 annual target in Q1. So, I mean, anyone looking to become a successful AE, I'm sure we can learn a lot from Becky. Jack, would you like to kick us off? First yes, question? please. Yeah, yeah. So, first of all, congrats on that ridiculous year, Becky. Well done. That's unbelievable. Thanks, Jack. My um, my first point is, and this is something that's going to be a continual theme throughout this conversation, I think, is one of the focuses that I've got this year is trying to focus on what you've done well that had a good outcome and what you've done well that potentially had a bad outcome because of bad luck or something outside of your control. And the other side of that is something that you've done badly that had a good outcome because of good luck or something that was outside of your control anyway, or something that you've done badly and you got what you deserved and it didn't get a good result. But in this instance, it sounds as though some of the things that went throughout this process for you, especially in this deal that we're going to talk about was you've done something and it wasn't that good, but you got some luck and it turned out to be a good result and a good outcome so could you give us a bit of an insight on perhaps give us the anecdote about where that happened in this deal yeah of course I can Jack so this is actually something that I have learned across lots of deals actually so I've been I've been selling Jiminy for nearly three years now um, and something that I have really picked up on that I have been doing well and I'm putting that in quotation marks um, is 
rapport building. So like, that's my, that's my favorite thing about sales. I am like a people person. I love, I love it. Like I love finding out about people. When I ask you in the, like in a morning, like on a Monday morning, I genuinely care about how your weekend was. Like I want to know. And I am quite a big personality. And I think a lot of people say, oh, you're amazing at rapport building. There's a lot of things I'm not good at, but that is one of the things that comes naturally to me. However, something that I've learned over the last couple of years is sometimes people don't respond to that because of their personality types. So if I kind of come on a call or full steam ahead, um, that sometimes doesn't land with people that are very, very different in personality to me. So whilst, like I said, people might look at that and say, oh, you're amazing. Like you gave really good energy. Like you were asking loads of like rapport building questions. Actually, that might not be the best way to engage that particular stakeholder or that particular prospect, because that's not what they're going to engage with. Um, So I've had to start really tweaking how I interact with different personalities. I have done so much research. Luckily at Jimny, we've done a lot of um, work on different personality types And I have been tweaking how I respond. So if I'm on a call with someone that is like me, happy days. If I get on a call with um, someone that's probably a bit more direct or detailed, I will have to shift my personality in order to um, build a different kind of rapport with that person. So um, this deal was definitely one of those. Um, The first call that I had with them, I'll give a bit of background to it in a second, but the first call I had with the first stakeholder I met, um, I just think I took the wrong approach and I think I came on a bit. Hello, I'm Becky, like welcome to the Becky show. And actually they didn't really respond too well to that. So um, that's something that I've been doing well, but it didn't have a good result. Um, In terms of something that I haven't been doing well, that had a good result. I think I got lucky on this deal. So I'm gonna talk about this a bit more. I got very lucky on this deal because the biggest mistake I made on this deal was that I didn't establish a route to close before we started the trial. So we trialed with this client again. I'll give you a bit of a story time about it, but we didn't, I didn't establish any kind of route to close. It was not a very well multi-threaded deal. I had a few champions, um, but yeah, I I I kind of got lucky with that, but actually, as you'll hear a bit more of, it did actually really delay the deal closing because I just did not reach out to enough people within the business. Okay. Well, something I want to just jump back to was you, you said in there you built a different kind of rapport. I mean, we're all very similar, right? We're the three of us all high energy. This is easy. Yeah. We don't have to build rapport with one another. This is just like you've met somebody who you've known for a long time. That's how it feels. But you have to, I know what you mean, but can you explain what you mean? build a different kind of rapport? Yeah, really good question. And it's one that I asked myself ages. I thought, how am I going to build rapport with people who are completely different in personality type to me? Um, And what I started to do, this is going to sound so simple, but instead of jumping on a call on a Monday morning going, how was your weekend? Like I saw on your LinkedIn that, you know, you've got a dog, I've got a dog, like, you know, all those kind of things that we naturally lean towards because that's our personality type. 
I would start going down the route of asking, oh, I can see that um, you were at X company for 10 years, a really established, like big company. And you've just, you know, you've been at this uh, new startup with like 10 employees for two months. What was the reason that made you leave that previous role and take take the new role? So it was more about building a rapport that I would deem to suit their personality type um, and kind of entering from a different perspective, um, asking about their career, you know, why they got in. I, so I sell to sales personas. I'm very lucky. I, and as, as you guys do as well, like I could not love that about my job more, the fact that I sell to other salespeople. Um, but shock horror, we're not all big, huge, loud characters. There are a lot of people that aren't. Um, and often they're actually the best salespeople. But yeah, just trying to go a different route rather than going from a personal rapport build, just switching it to maybe building rapport around them and their career and their experience. Okay, great. So if we were thinking about this deal, you know, in the first call you had, what persona were you selling into? And how did you, yeah, how did the deal even come about? Hey, good question. So um, the reason I love this deal so much, um, for many, many reasons, which we'll, we'll come on to, but the reason I love this deal so much is because this is, this is at the time, this was the biggest deal that we'd ever closed in our company. Um, and it started out with an SDR uh, sending a LinkedIn message. And to me, that just, it just gives me the feels like how, how you can create something huge from such a small interaction, from such a small decision. Um, so Jasmine, who was my SDR at the time, we worked really, really closely together. Um, she was messaging um, the prospect from this company and he was, I believe he was director of revenue operations. So revenue operations personas, I find types of people in those roles are often quite they have to be very detailed, very process driven. They can be really different to, you know, when you get like a sales director on and they're quite often quite scrappy and chatty and they're very open about, you know, all of they'll kind of just tell you everything all at once. Whereas the guy that we were speaking to, he was very, very calm and considered and incredibly detail oriented. So when I got on this call, so we sent the LinkedIn message Hallelujah, he actually replied. And he wanted to jump on a call pretty much there and then. So I just sent over my Zoom link, jumped on the call. And that's where I made that mistake. You know, there's me going, oh, thank you so much. Like, amazing. So lovely to meet you. Which for some people, like I said, they love that. It works really well, but not for this particular prospect. So I felt like I was really thrown in at the deep end with that initial call because I mean, how long had I been at Jiminy? I'd been there for about eight or nine months. And you guys will know, like, there's so many different aspects to selling SaaS, isn't there? Like, you have to know your integrations inside out. You have to know all of your, for us, like data storage information. You know, it doesn't just um, end with a discovery and a nice demo. There are so many things that you have to be really on top of. And he essentially grilled me. He grilled me in this first call. It was like, 
the only way I can describe it was I felt like a ninja, like dodging all of these questions. But I managed to do it. And I'm proud of myself for that because he was asking me these really, really detailed questions, not really about the product, not about the value prop. But he was asking me really intricate questions about how our integration works with their CRM and things that we usually come on to discuss in the second, third, fourth call that we do. And I will bring experts from our team on those calls. But yeah, so I then had to quickly rewind on how I was responding to these questions, tone myself down a little bit and um, put my detailed direct hat on, which doesn't come naturally to me. Doesn't come naturally to me. I was going to do that at the end of the sentence. <laughs> That's like we've been practicing. Okay, nice. And this isn't uncommon for us either, is it? Like you've got to be nimble. You've got to think fast. You've got to take the call straight away because they're probably, if they're not coming to you, they're probably going to go to one of your competitors. So there's probably a conversation already started that you've got to get onto quite quickly. Yeah. And I guess that leads me on to my next question. You, you said you've made a mistake, but you've got it back. You're going to get some more composure. You've got some more, probably some follow up steps next. At which point did you know that your competition would come into the deal, if at all? So we, it was an interesting one, actually, because they already had an incumbent provider. But this provider wasn't someone that I had ever come up against before. Um, they weren't one of the big players. They, um, I'd, I'd never really heard of them before. So part of my job within that early stage process was to understand you know, why are they looking at us? Like, why is he interested from one LinkedIn message? Like, why is he taking the time to understand more about us? So I needed to understand more about what they were using. And that was a a big part of the deal, understanding what they weren't getting from their current provider, what they liked from their current provider, but then how we could build on it. So, you know, as, as you guys all know, as most people in SASH, you have your, um, your regular regular faces of competitors who are on who are on every single sales process that you do but this one it wasn't and luckily we were able to answer a lot more of the things that that they wanted i think the background to it as well was that this particular business had just been in receipt of a huge amount of funding huge I can't remember what series it was but it, it you know it made headlines it was it was such a, a large injection of cash so I think across the board they were looking at all of the tools that they had and they just wanted someone something a little bit more sophisticated for their needs because they were growing out a huge team I mean it was like 1500 salespeople across the globe so yeah so luckily for this deal no standard competitors but actually That's an interesting one, Jack, for you as well, I think, is because I didn't have any experience with this competitor, I had no competitor analysis. I had no, you know, objection handles for this. I had no um, main differences, USPs, that kind of thing that I usually do for the usual suspects. So that was an interesting one on this one. You got grilled on this first call by the new head of RevOps with an incumbent tech stack. What did the process look like? After that, this is where things get interesting. So, <laughs> this particular person who I've been speaking to, so when I had that first call, I was thinking about this earlier. When I had that first call, he didn't he didn't have his camera on, so I, you know, I, I didn't know really who this person was. Um, like we've said, I'm someone that needs that that connection, but we, you know, that's fine. He didn't have to have his camera on. So um, we finished that call. And actually, like I said, I'd managed to tick the boxes like uh, by winging it through the call. And then he passed me on 
to his team. So the people that worked in the RevOps team. So I then had a call with a couple of the people in his team and I never spoke to the first guy ever again on this deal and never again. And from all accounts, he was the main decision maker. Like, you know, I talked about that. I hadn't figured out like a brilliant route to close on this, but you know, I, I did a, I did a bit of due diligence, you know, asking who, who would be making the main decisions and things like that. And his team by all accounts said, said it would be this guy that I spoke to at the beginning. But like I said, I never spoke to him ever again. I still, he doesn't, he also doesn't have LinkedIn. So to me, he's kind of this like mythical Wizard of Oz character that enabled this deal to happen. I guess the good thing about Jiminy and call recording in general was that I think he watched a lot of the um, conversations that we had because obviously there were multiple calls, but I've always found that quite amusing. He was kind of the 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 legend that unlocked the door for us with this deal, but then I <laughs> never spoke to him ever again. So not for want of trying though, like don't get me wrong, every single call I was like, would, would he like to come on the call? Would he like to join the call? But I think he was just incredibly busy. So so yeah, so then I had the the kind of the, the demos with his team. Um, we did bring on other stakeholders. We brought on some of the sales managers. Like I said, this is a huge company. Um, and then we started a trial. So this is where things got a bit slippery with this particular deal, because we, when I tell you that we put our heart and soul into this trial, and we even built like new integrations because they were using like a dialer product that we didn't have the integration for, our engineers built it in like quick time. And we ran this, I think it was about a month long trial, loads of calls. We had trainings with their sales team across the globe. I was kind of project managing the whole thing. At the end of the trial, I received an email that said, now is not the right time. Those golden words that we all just, um, that keep us awake at night. So as you can imagine, I was absolutely gutted and he promised me that he would come back in q1 so we this was probably around beginning of q4 i think and i thought that that was it so there's more to the story but yeah it did end up failing as a trial what, what did you what would you do differently to drive more urgency what a question honestly Jack I think that is the question of the hour um what could I've I've I wrapped my brains and I tortured myself about this for months and I think the biggest biggest thing was that I did not establish and then work that route to close because I had only built relationships with two or three people in this deal and don't get me wrong, like there were things that we did so well, like our VP of customer success, another Becky to make it confusing, but she, you know, she's incredible. And she ran sessions with their team building out success plans and strategies for if they were to come on board. But actually, I think from my perspective, from a commercial standpoint, I had absolutely no visibility into what the next steps would have been, even if they had said at the end of the trial, great, we want to go forward. So I would just say, just ask the hard hitting questions. I think I used to be so afraid of asking 
guys, like if all of this works out, how can we win your business? Like, how can we work with you this year? And I just, I think I have have had, you can ask my boss what he thinks, but I think I've got happy ears. Um, I think all salespeople do. And it's a habit that I am actively trying to break. So to drive that urgency, Jack, in response to that question, I should have asked far more hard hitting questions or direct questions to the people that I had successfully built relationships with for them to then introduce me to more people with decision making power in the business. Do you think actually, sorry, Jack, <laughs> this is so good that we're just going to drill into this. Do you think they didn't want to do it, first of all, because there wasn't enough pain implicated or you just didn't have access to the economic bar and the like true decision makers? Which do you think it was? Oh, what a great question. I think it was a mixture of both, to be honest. I think I think we didn't we didn't work with them enough on what the um what the result would be if they went ahead with this straight after the trial what the impact would be so they were using Jiminy to QA all of their team's conversations and they were they had a really like manual process in place I don't think we drove ROI enough and when I say we I'm fully taking that on the chin as as the AE driving this project I did not drive enough ROI for them to think we need this now like we can't take another quarter like we need this now so that's something that I have implemented in all of my proposals in all of my follow-up calls getting a metric getting a goal and actually working that out in the back end and and kind of giving them a tangible result that will happen if they if they use our platform now rather than in a quarter it's something that I'm still getting my head around and, and it does take time and it can often be a bit clunky and it can be a bit annoying having to drill down so much in a discovery call or a demo about what is actually the driving force here for them. Because as you guys will know, you know, you'll get on a call and sometimes people say, oh, I just want to make more money. Just, just want to make more, more revenue. Yeah, like, it's obvious. Is it, and, it, yeah, and yeah. that's the thing, Jack. It is obvious, but actually, what we need to then do is go truly like 10 layers deeper. Like, what, why, like, what's going on in this business? And I didn't, I didn't do that on this deal. So I had nothing to, when he sent me that email, I had nothing to grip onto. I had nothing to um, kind of combat his, his decision. So, yeah, learned the hard way on that one. Well, let's carry on on this vein then, because this feels like something quite valuable, because this is a situation we've all been in, and not all of us have got super robust, defensible business cases that we can take back to this objection person, and not all of us have got urgent, compelling events that we can tie our our value proposition to and say, well, you have to because of this, because you've told me this the other day, and this means we've got to carry on. So what did you do? I mean, obviously, I did tried to come back at it. I tried to re-engage them, but actually I call this kind of in this whole saga of this deal, because it took about from that first LinkedIn message to, to the day the contract got signed was probably eight months. It's a long deal cycle for us. Like our, uh, our average deal cycles are about 60 to 90 days. Um, so yeah, I gave them time and 
there was nothing I could have done because like I said, this whole period in this saga was, I call it like the darkness period. Like they really did just go dark on me. Um, We've all, we've all been there. Like it's so hard and you think, oh, especially with like your main champion, you're like, I I thought we were mates. Like something that we have to be emotionally aware about as well is they might be the most important thing to us in our day but actually we're probably one of many many things to them so so yeah I tried I tried what I could but like I said I had nothing really to cling on to I didn't really have enough stakeholders so I I licked my wounds and I moved on and I thought because the deal was worth so much money I just thought ah too good to be true like um and it was it was gutting because so many people at Jiminy had been involved in this deal to this point, from the engineers building that integration to our customer success team who are just phenomenal. All the training that they've done, all the success plans that they put together, I felt personally responsible that their time had gone to waste because I hadn't done my job well enough. Um, but actually, he actually stuck to his promise and end of January Q1 2022 so about a year year ago I got I just randomly got a a message in my inbox and he said uh Becky I told you I'd be back I'm here can you send me pricing nearly fell off my chair yeah I love that phrase that your hard work doesn't go unnoticed also I'm definitely you should coin the phrase the darkness period by the way because (laughs) I'm living in that Right now, February February is a dark oh, period Jack. for my sales driven. Me too, me too. Don't yeah. worry. <laughs> so, right, statistically, the worst part of the sales process is the close, the contract period, the paper process, according to Joe Boy. It might have been, I won't say the name of who it was, but I heard from a major SaaS provider that works in the sales engagement space, similarly to us, is that the, the area where most deals fall over or where they extend or where if you're using MedPick as a qualification scoring process where everybody scores the worst is the paper process throughout the closing period. And so I want to hear from you, you know, if you did it well or if you did it badly and what you would give advice to me and Jack on how to run this last part of the deal well based on your learnings and your mistakes from this one. Yeah. And I agree, Jack, in my experience as well. That is always, I think extend is the right word. It's where things seem to drag on. And um, even if you have absolutely smashed your route to close, if you know exactly who's signing the deal and all of that, that stuff, it still just drags on. And often it's so frustrating for us because it's so far out of our control. You know, once you send that in DocuSign or contract book or whoever you use, it's kind of in the ether, like it's in the lap of the gods because you can chase as much as you want, but let's be honest, you don't want to annoy anyone. And so, yes, I think with this particular one, I think I think maybe karma was on my side or maybe, uh, you know, um, I'll come on to this in a second, but someone might have been watching watching down on me because the the paper process, the the closing of this deal actually wasn't too painful, which I'm forever grateful for. It it took a couple of weeks, don't get me wrong. So um, I was actually looking back in my email thread of like how all of that came to be. But essentially we just fleshed out the commercials on a call found out exactly who was going to be signing the contract and obviously there was all the legal stuff to to jump through but luckily that actually went pretty smoothly for us and um 
yeah, they signed it. Well, that brings us full circle because at the start I was saying that sometimes we do things and we get a good outcome and sometimes we actually get it to ourselves. And there's been other instances, I'm sure we could all agree, where you're like, don't worry, don't, yeah, don't worry, uh, sales director, that's probably going to sign by this afternoon, I imagine. Yeah. And then it's like a month and a half later. And it's like, yeah. I don't know, I think I might have their email address wrong. I've sent it to them, but they haven't opened it. So it's like, <laughs> so so I I just, I kind of read between the lines, right? And I've just realised that you hit your annual number in Q1 and you also closed the biggest deal ever at Jiminy. Did this deal slip from Q4 to Q1? Yes. Yeah, it did. So, yes, it was meant to have closed. Had had the darkness not happened, it would have closed kind of, I think, mid Q4 of 2021. However, an interesting point to that is um, I think somewhere along the line, there may have been a blessing in that because I'm about to get a bit deep, but stay with me mid q4 2021 my dad passed away and obviously i wasn't in the headspace i i think i took about six weeks off work um so i was pretty much out for q4 2021 and yeah so it slipped into q1 and i've actually got a really lovely story about the day this deal closed so because as you can imagine guys like this was huge like you know, I was imagining myself on private jets, going to Barbados, like going Selfridges with no budget. Like you can say, I love handbags. You know, I was imagining the good life um, if this came in um, until I realised that the tax man existed. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but so we'd sent the contract. Do you know what? I think it was actually this week last year. We'd sent the contract and, you know, as it always does, I said it was a smooth process. It was smoother than I've ex- experienced before, but it still wasn't, you know, easy. It did kind of drag on a little bit. Um, there was lots of back and forth, you know, has so-and-so read the contract? You know, when do you expect to sign? And it probably dragged on for about a week and a half of them having the contract. And then this one morning, I'd taken the morning off work because I had decided to go and get a tattoo. Um, I'd had, I was clearly having some kind of like quarter life crisis. I was about to turn 30. Um, and the tattoo that I was getting was the last thing my dad ever said to me, which was the sky is the limit. Like he, he that was his phrase. Like he always said that to me, like he was super proud of like, um, what I'd achieved. And, um, so the, the tattoo parlor in King's Cross and I was sat outside, I think it was like a Starbucks or something chain smoking because I was nervous about (laughs) like first tattoo so I'm literally like mainlining like coffee and like cigarettes um and so it was quite a big moment for me anyway because I'd like taken myself off to like get this very symbolic thing I'll see if I can show you guys it um this lovely little tattoo here and as I'm sat outside Starbucks my boss calls me and he's just screaming at the other end of the line. He's going, they, they, they signed, they signed, they signed. And I was like, oh, like what a gift from the gods. Like um, the morning that I was getting like this very, very like um, important like thing, like a very like time for myself. And then the biggest deal of my career and our, our company closed. It was just quite magical. So the closing story of that deal is always one that, yeah, gives me very, very fond memories. 
and not just for the commission. <laughs> oh, Becky, that goes everything against what the uh, podcast stands for, because, you know, no big deal, but this is a really yeah. big deal. With <laughs> 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 a great meaning behind it. Sounds very touching. Yeah, yeah. get the most, but it's a, it's a lovely story. What a perfect way to end. I think we should wrap it up there, Becky. I can't thank you enough for sharing all that. That was a perfect way to finish it off. And also, we're like super happy for you that that worked out the way it did. But yeah, guys, honestly, thank you so much. This was so enjoyable. My first podcast as well. Loved mm. it. And um, yeah, I can't wait to hear all the others. I am fascinated by everyone's stories. <laughs>